0: We'll read the last verses of the book of Jude, beginning with verse 17. But, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last days, in the last time, rather, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. We're more familiar with the first words of Jude than the last but they're all significant we notice to whom the book is written in verse 1 to them that are sanctified preserved and called we might say to those who are called consecrated and kept to be called which we are all called to serve God in a holy manner in this world that's unfriendly toward holiness. But God has called us and we're thankful that he has. We're sanctified, he says, sanctified by God the Father. So these uh, readers were certainly, they had an understanding that, that God had separated them, whether or not they had experienced sanctification. One cannot be sure, but we can be sure that God had separated them, like some of the prophets of old, from their mother's womb to serve him. That can be said of you. You are sanctified in the sense that God considers you to be a very special individual, and he has designed that you live for him. So he's called you, he's consecrated you to that end, And to these, he promised to keep, or to preserve, preserve in Jesus. If we continue in the same manner that we begin, when we endeavor to serve the Lord, we will be preserved, we will be kept by by his power. But he wrote, apparently changing the subject from what he had on his mind, Because he, it occurred to him that it was needful for him to write unto them regarding contending for the faith. Now ordinarily, contending isn't uh, always a good thing if we contend for our way. I guess if we contend in a contest, in an athletic event, that's not so bad. But he's not talking about uh, uh, that here. He's speaking of contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Jude knew what that faith was, that uh, manner of living, if you will, more than believing a manner of living, a a lifestyle. Uh, Jude sought in Jesus, his brother. Jude claims that he's the brother of James, who was his brother half-brothers of Jesus, so they did not believe either one of them when Jesus walked the shores of Galilee, but became believers perhaps after his crucifixion or after his resurrection and became an integral part of the early church. So from the beginning of the early church, they understood what it meant to serve the Lord and to live a consecrated life to him. But now he tells them why they must contend for the faith. Because certain had crept in unawares and threatened to corrupt this faith that they stood for and that had been bestowed upon them to pass on to the next generation. So he writes, earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And the verse 5, is the first of three reminders they knew these things, you know these things as well, but they were reminders to illustrate the threats that could arise from within and the resulting outcome. Remember, he said certain men had crept in, unawares from the outside and infiltrated the body of believers, if you will, and threatened to corrupt the faith. So he gives an example Uh, unbelieving Israel, who despite the miracles became murmurs and complainers and for the most part uh, died in the wilderness as a result of that. In verse 6, he illustrates the corruption that can exist within by citing the fallen angels. They were in glory, created beings. But uh, Lucifer led them astray. They followed him uh, despite their first estate. What was their first estate? We don't know a lot about that first estate, but we know they were in glory. We know that God created them. So they had uh, the blessings of surrounding uh, God and uh, worshiping him throughout all eternity, that was the design. But uh, Lucifer stood up and said, I will be like the Most High. Yet God says, Thou shalt be brought down to hell. So the outcome wasn't favorable there, uh, just like it wasn't favorable for the unbelieving uh, Israelites. Then in verse 7, we see the Sodomites, those of Sodom and Gomorrah who normalized Promoted, just like our day, and even celebrated the unnatural use of the human body, and as a result, uh, well, they gave themselves to it, we read. And then in Romans, we read that God, as a result, gave them up to it. So we could say the outcomes were the Israelites were buried in the wilderness, angels bound in hell, and Those of Sodom and Gomorrah burned with fire. By contrast, we have in the wilderness Joshua and Caleb who were fearless. That's what it means to contend for the faith. That's what it means to fight and and, uh, be determined to hold uh, fast to what God has entrusted to you, what God has entrusted to me. Caleb and Joshua did that, though there were those within, and they were surrounded by them, and immediately comes to mind the, being two of the twelve spies who were sent out to investigate the land of Canaan to see if it was indeed what God had promised it would be. Well, it was. But they had to be fearless, holding fast the faith that they had in God. Another contrast who is cited in this same book of Jude is Michael. He was one of the angels, an archangel in heaven. Well, he didn't fall to those who would uh, beguile. And there's some evidence that suggests that perhaps a third of the angels in heaven uh, also were cast out along with a Lucifer. But Michael, the archangel, was not one of them. He remained faithful. He remained loyal to God's order. Then the third contrast would, again, be back there in Canaan. Abraham, who was fervent in prayer, building altars everywhere he went, Lot chose a different path and vexed his righteous soul. Uh, daily by casting his, uh, pitching his tent toward Sodom and eventually residing in Sodom. But uh, Abram stood in contrast to those who who, uh, did not succeed because he was a man who was a prayerful man and looked to heaven and they proved all of these who were faithful. What Peter said, the Lord knoweth how to deliver, deliver the godly out of temptations." God knows how to do that. God knows how to preserve you. He knows how to keep you. And if you want to be kept, uh, he will certainly succeed in doing that. Jude continues by uh, characterizing these false teachers who had rose up in his day in verse 11 by making mention of, of Cain, Balaam, and Korah. He says those who had infiltrated the ranks they've gone the way of cain what was the way of cain cain was a religious man but he was disobedient to god he crafted his own theology if you will and offered an alternative to his service to god in contrast to what God demanded of him. His brother Abel brought a blood sacrifice. Cain refused to do so. He was disobedient. Though he did offer a sacrifice, he did present something to God as an offering, all right, but it wasn't accepted. So these false uh, teachers of Jude's day chose an alternative to what God required of them. Then he says that they've ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward. Nobody would dispute the fact that Balaam was a religious man. That's why he was consulted by Balak. So he he was all of that, all right. But his religion was for sale. He was covetous. He was greedy. He was after the gain of this world, and that uh, desire that overwhelmed and consumed him uh, stood between him and his faithful service to God. Uh, So it was with those of Jude's day who had crept in unawares. They were willing to sacrifice everything of value, including their own loved ones for the sake of money, in this case. And then he cites the gainsaying of Korah. Again, Korah was a a religious man, and gainsaying means to speak against. Korah spoke against Moses, and uh, the leaders there, as they were guided uh, through the wilderness, and he successfully uh, recruited Dathan, uh, Byram, and two hundred fifty uh, Levites. But again, the outcome in those in that case uh, wasn't good. He had rejected the authority that God imposed upon him, or we could say that God blessed him with had he followed it, and uh, then the outcome wasn't so great. Well, it was horrible. Say it wasn't so great. Uh, understates the uh, disaster that he created for himself. So put another way, Cain was jealous. Balaam covetous. Korah rebellious. Cain was self-centered. Balaam was self-serving. Korah was self-promoting. They were all self-absorbed, and they might have been friendly, sociable, presented themselves in a manner that. Well, that's why they had crept in unawares. They had beguiled, and they uh, attempted to lead astray those who initially had adhered to the faith. Verses 17 through 19. Verse 17 it says, remember. Remember what you've been taught, Jude is telling his, his readers. Don't be startled or surprised that the enemy would thwart every effort you make toward being faithful to him. It's going to happen. No one will coast into heaven. No one promised it would be a way of ease, with no trials, no challenges. But wait till we get to the end of the chapter. That's the good part. Well, it's all good. But with warnings, God gives accompanying promises. And that's uh, very appealing. So remember in verse 17, what the apostles, they knew Peter and John, but also they knew uh, Paul and James, the the leader of the the church in uh, Jerusalem. So remember the words that you have heard, and Paul in particular uh, declared, now uh, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. What makes it seductive? Well, what made it appealing for Eve to take of the fruit of the garden when it was forbidden? It just looked good. Satan made it sound uh, beneficial. So that's what seduction is. But just like fishermen cast that bait out for uh, to the uh, fish in the stream, the fish doesn't know if it had an awareness like this until it has bitten into the hook that this is not a good day. Satan still seduces. So don't be startled. This also know. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, that In the last days perilous times shall come. And one of the perils uh, of the last days is like these illustrations in the Old Testament. There will be some who have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Verse 18. Mockers, Peter calls them scoffers. 2 Peter is very similar to the book of Jude. And these will direct their angst against you to deflect attention from their own failure. But we're not startled when that occurs. Verse 19, they separate themselves. They withdraw, isolate. That's never a good solution. But with warnings, Jude offers solutions to beware. Verses 20 and 21. And when we read these verses, we see uh, four measures that can be employed. They are build, pray, keep, and look. To build is, is to grow in one sense. It's been... Interesting and even humorous to see the reaction of those who particularly have come from out of town uh, to Portland and have noticed that the teens that they last saw uh, two years ago uh, have suddenly sprouted up uh, several inches and are almost uh, unrecognizable. Well, that's what it means to grow, and that's, that's a good thing. But with growth, these teens eventually, even if it's in their early 20s, reach a point, and some much sooner, some, as I say, into the 20s, where they stop growing, at least up. As you grow older, you grow in other ways. And that's a challenge as well. But uh, to grow, or to build, rather, is like building a, a, a superstructure. You must follow the plans, but it's unlike a superstructure in the sense that eventually that uh, superstructure is completed. Not so here. These are, uh, to build or to grow is, is continuous. You'll continue to build your spiritual framework, if you will, until the day you die. Grow in grace and in the knowledge, Peter said, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he also declared as newborn babes, desire are the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If you ingest the word of God, you can expect to grow. If you don't, you can expect your growth to be stunted. So we want to have a systematic plan of reading the word of God. That is uh, the design that God has provided. That's the solution. It also helps you to uh, c- compare or put up alongside uh, the Word of God any uh, way of life or or any uh, thought or notion that, that comes your way. That's how you can tell if it's from the enemy of your soul or from the God of heaven. If it's consistent with the Spirit of, of the Word of God, you can be sure that... It, That is of God. If it makes you feel uneasy, and we can't necessarily go by feeling, but uh, God does use those at times, uh, and if the uneasy feeling is the result of it being inconsistent to the faith that has been delivered unto you, then uh, you can be sure that it's not something you're interested in. So we build. And we pray. To pray in the Holy Ghost is to pray with a sensitivity toward the Spirit of God and toward the leading of the the Spirit of God. We pray to God through Jesus with the Spirit of the Lord uh, bearing witness with our spirits. We're, We're not long on This notion that God told me or God said, and all of this, unless the word of God declares it, then you can be sure God said it. But so often, we're predisposed to want God to answer or to lead in a certain way. And so there you get back to feelings, and we're just feeling very strongly that this is a thing to do. If If God said it, or God told you to do it, You don't need to declare that because it will be evident to everyone if you follow through with it that God did indeed say it or God did indeed lead you that way. But we certainly want to pray with a sensitivity toward the the leading of the Lord. And God has a way of opening doors and shutting doors. Human beings have a way of knocking doors down and bursting through. We We don't want that. So we pray in the Holy Ghost. We keep ourselves in the love of God. We do that by making good decisions. That's more of a saying now with parents than when Debbie and I were young parents, but I hear parents tell their young people as they're about to embark to wherever they are embarking, make good decisions, make good choices. Do that. Your parents know what they're talking about. Anticipate the moments where a decision or a choice will be demanded of you on the fly. And there you are. It's so easy to go uh, with the flow or go with the crowd. But pause and uh, remember what your parents and others have told you make good decisions, make good choices. One bad choice, one bad decision can do a lot of damage. A life of good decisions can do a lot of good. Some, it's possible at times to recover from a bad decision if it's minor or even if it's major major to some extent. But uh, keep yourself in the love of God. And notice the contrasts here in the book of Jude that have been offered. He's offered those who have failed, but uh, he also notes those who succeeded. Those who refused to be beguiled by the ones who had crept in unawares. So build, pray, keep, look. To look is to watch. That's to always be on guard. But in this case, it's to look in expectation that the trumpet is about to sound. So have that in mind. Jesus spoke of that. If the good man of the house had known in which hour the thief would have come, he he would have been more watchful. He would have been more careful and employed measures to uh, prevent the damage done. Watch, therefore, he says, for in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We were humored by a testimony some gave here in the last uh, few months, that, uh, and I'm thinking I remember who it was, but in case I'm wrong, I won't uh, say that. They determined that they would think every moment, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming, because they thought, in an unsafe condition that if they would think the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. In that hour, the Lord would not come. Well, the trouble is you couldn't keep thinking that nonstop. And that's no solution even if you could just get saved. Just be ready. And that's a solution. So look, be watchful. Verse 24 This is the outcome we wish to contend for. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Earlier Jude writes, keep yourselves. So there's certain steps you must take to keep yourself. But if you keep yourself, he will keep you from falling. That's a good thing. Now, He may not keep you from uh, taking a tumble when you're walking in the wilderness, or if you dash your foot against a stone every time, but that's not what, he was talking, what He's talking about. He's talking about the fact that He will uh, keep you in the faith that once was delivered to you. Back in the beginning, when you chose to get saved, you embraced a way of life that you heard about, you had been taught, that you had observed in others. You must contend for that. And if you uh, keep yourself, uh, God will keep you from falling. And to present you faultless. Faultless is blameless. It's to step out into eternity and to be found with nothing lacking. You gave it your all. You gave it your best. You were consecrated or sanctified by God and you consecrated yourself to be one who was and is devoted uh, to his service another, another word could be used is separa- separated in Old Testament times especially we read about it where God separated individuals to be used in a certain manner of, of God's worship well it's one thing for someone else to separate you We we do that in a sense when we do public baby uh, dedications. We consecrate those infants uh, to the Lord, which is really of no value to the infant himself or herself. It is of value to the parents who are determined to uh, bring that child up in the nurturing and the admonition of the Lord. So in that sense, it benefits the, the child also. But the child is unaware they've been consecrated. But there comes a point in time where we consecrate ourselves and say, Lord, I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to uh, contend for this faith. I see the benefits of it. I also see the uh, risks of uh, those who have abandoned the faith. So he's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. There are warnings here. And it's it's a challenge to present these warnings without Uh, sounding however one might sound but the promise is that we will be presented uh, to the Lord in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy and that's the hallmark of the Christian walk sure there are trials sure there is adversity sure there are risks but there are risks if you don't serve the Lord There are trials to sinners. If you've lived very long in this world in an unsafe condition, you're among those who, who know that it's not a good way. Serving the Lord is a good way. And uh, the reward or the anticipation of the end to result or the outcome is exciting. It, it's very positive. And he concludes with a fourfold acknowledgement of, of praise to God, verse 25, to the only wise God, our Savior. And this is how we feel today and every day. Uh, to him be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now in this house of prayer as we drop to our knees and ever or and forever throughout all eternity. This is a faith, a way of living, a manner of life worth contending for. It will get you to heaven. The outcome is the outcome you want. There will be a few bumps and and, uh, bruises along the way. Don't be startled by them. Serve the Lord. Cast your lot with the people of God and keep looking ahead. Don't look back. Look to the day where the trumpet will sound. Listen for it. And the Lord will present you faultless in the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. If that's not your experience now, why well, you can make it your experience starting in this time of prayer. God will hear your prayer. We're going to have an invitation song and we encourage everyone in this house of prayer to kneel and look heaven's way. God will hear you.